This is Sunday night worship service here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Pentecostalist Church, January the 8th of 2023. Tonight, we start our part one of What We Believe. Senior Pastor Farrell Hardison bring the message tonight. Here is Pastor Farrell. It's good to see y'all on a Sunday night. And um, I don't know about you all, but I like the cooler air during the wintertime. I know some of y'all ain't right. We've already talked about all that. Millie and I are in our little house, and uh, she drove separate from me tonight because she had to come to choir practice, and when I got my vehicle to come here, there was not a seat for anybody. I'm still, my Tahoe's out there full with lamps and all kinds of stuff, so right after church, we're having a yard sale in the parking lot. <laughs> Y'all are welcome to come, cash only. <laughs> Thank the Lord for the good service this morning, amen? And uh, uh, understanding our calling, understanding that we're not just receivers, but we're givers. You know what we actually are is a conduit. We're a conduit. We plug into God ourselves and he flows through us to our community and to our church and to our family. And when he said, I reconciled you, I saved you, I love that scripture. It says, he didn't hold our trespasses against us anymore. Isn't that wonderful? He said, now that you've been reconciled, you tell the story of your reconciliation. You tell, now, he said, now you have the word of reconciliation. So what we're doing is we're, we're just looking at our church. We're looking at the ministries of our church. We're looking at the activities of our church. We're looking at where we're putting our resources and asking ourselves, is this leading to uh, the reconciliation of the lost, the salvation of the lost? And that's good. That's good to do. And you may feel real good about the church, but you still ought to go through that process. You ought to do it for yourself. You ought to constantly evaluate yourself. And do you pray? When you pray, do you say, Lord, evaluate me? Run a, run a, one of those, run a spiritual MRI on me, Lord? A spirit, y'all know what an MRI is? Who's, been, who's had the MRI? Sound like a truck with a bad muffler. When you go through one of them, but um, I've had MRIs, and uh, uh, we need spiritual MRI that God might find something in us that ought not be there, and uh, that we can deal with it. And let Him deal with it in our life. Constant evaluation, honest evaluation, um, asking the Lord, Lord. Um, Clear up my blind spots. You know what a blind spot is when you're driving down the road and you uh, look beside you and it doesn't feel like anybody's there and you look in your rearview mirror and you don't see anybody there and then you uh, start to go over in that other lane and somebody blows the horn because he was in that perfect spot where you couldn't see him. And those things will happen to you in life. And if you're not very, very careful and very, very observant, you can have blind spots in your life. 
So I pray, when I pray, I, I say, Lord, help me. Help me not to be fooled. Help me not to be tricked. Help, help, help me to be alert. Help me to see those things so that uh, I'll, I'll live the way you want me to live and not just be a person who talks about how we live, but a person who lives what I talk about. I want to live what I talk about. And Millie's here tonight, so I've got to be real careful about uh, how spiritual I tell y'all I am because she, uh, she might say, I've got a word I'd like to say. <clears throat> we're going to talk about our doctrine our doctrine and, and we're not going to get deep into it tonight I want to I want uh, we're going to we're going to use the book I'm not even going to use the terminology that we're going to go through the book The Beauty of the Balance by Dr. Terry Trammell um, and you could go on YouTube and put in his name and you can hear him teach and hear him preach and uh, he is one more preacher and teacher of the word of God and uh, I called him and he graciously sent us some books. We're going to go ahead and order some more because we know some of you did not get one and you'd like to get one. You do need this in your library. You, it's, a, it's, really, it's really a book you can read from front to back, but it's, it's going to be, I tell you what it's going to be for you is a reference book. It's a book you're going to go to when you have a discussion or a question comes up or you're just talking to another Christian friend and maybe they're asking you about sanctification and what is that. And that'll give you a book to go to and refresh yourself. And it'll give you all the scriptures and, and, uh, and you'll be able to speak with uh, confidence and you'll be able to articulate what you believe as a, as a Christian and as a Pentecostal holiness. Christian. So we'll talk about that tonight. I'll, what I want to do, we're going to pray, and then right after I pray, if you got your book with you and you want to, you want to use that as a guide, you can. Um, I've got it in front of me. I've got the notes in front of me. But, but if you don't have the book, just, just listen carefully, and, and you'll get it. You'll understand it. But let's pray. Father, thank you for this church and the people of this church. Thank you, Lord, for our leaders Thank you for our ministry leaders, our, our deacon board. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for our music team and our uh, hospitality team. We thank you for our children's ministry. We thank you for our men's ministry and women's ministry, our media. I know I'm leaving somebody out, Lord, but my point is that it takes, um, it takes volunteers. It takes a lot of volunteers to step in, it takes a lot of people saying, I'll do my part to have a church like the church we have here. And I thank you for every one of them. And I pray you'll bless our time together tonight and that we will leave here with a greater knowledge than when we walked in. And if not, that we will at least leave here having things we already knew stirred back up in us. Lord, that's what we want. We want uh, things maybe that have been dormant in us and, and uh, maybe we haven't thought about them for a while, considered them or meditated on them for a while uh, that, will, that will be stirred up back in us and we'll have a, a fresh vision and a new understanding of your word. We pray, God, above all things that you would be glorified. Touch the sick. Lord, you know those who we laid hands on this morning and those who were not able to be here and uh, that, are, that are just uh, battling and struggling and uh, need a touch of God in their, in their body. Lord, you know who they are 
And we just ask you to go where they are right now and just challenge them and bless them and draw them near to you and bring healing to their body. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. As a matter of fact, um, divine healing is one of the um, major doctrines of our church. And we'll, we'll talk about that more. But, you know, as Pentecostals, um, we believe in uh, demonstrative acts of God. Uh, acts of God that happen in our, in our midst. And we see it. And we hear it. And it, it's not just stories from the Bible. But our perspective and our viewpoint as Pentecostals is that God still does those things that God is still on the throne and still runs things just like he did when Jesus walked this earth and that God still heals. And he, he doesn't just heal bodies, but he heals marriages. And he heals relationships, broken relationships. And, uh, and so I, I'm glad to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that kind of church, don't you? Where God, God demonstrates his power in the midst of his people. And, and we not only love that and can remember that and tell stories about that, I want God to do it again. Amen? Y'all are mighty quiet tonight. But I want God to do it again. I want, I want to see the power of God move again. And uh, there's no reason we shouldn't be seeing him do those things in our midst just like we did 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And, and even greater things and deeper things. And uh, we'll talk about, uh, I was reading a section in the book uh, this week, uh, the excesses of a lot of uh, Pentecostal churches, if they don't have a good solid foundation in the scripture, they will get into, into error and excesses. Uh, as a matter of fact, just to be very honest, if you watch some of the things that go on on television under the name of Spirit field or Pentecost, there are there are excesses that go on, and all of a sudden, God isn't being glorified, but men, individual men, are being glorified, and and they are the hero. Are, y'all know what I'm talking about, and so so we'll talk about those things. Um, I did want to mention one thing, and uh, uh, I wanted to make a presentation, and I forgot it this morning. I wanted to make a presentation to Brother James, and I forgot it. Uh, Brother James, I just wanted to tell you, um, you know, State beat Duke for y'all. And, and I knew, look, I knew you were a State fan right then for just a minute. You, you were a State fan because they beat Duke because I know y'all don't like them more than you don't like us. And I just wanted to tell you that I picked something up for you, and I wanted to give it to you. And I, I know you're going to be tickled to death. I've got it right here in this bag. And you're going to be tickled to death. I, I know you are. And I want to see if you'll wear them next Sunday. But I've got, I've got a pair of 14 <laughs> NC State. And I thought if you couldn't wear them, maybe you could use it as a little bass boat and put a trolling motor on it, you know. And, but that was actually wore by a state player and a buddy of mine went to an auction and uh, he bought me this pair at an NC State auction. And, uh, but I, when I saw that, I said, I've got to make that presentation to Brother Jay. So you can pick them up after church. And if you don't mind, we'd love for you to wear them next Sunday. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. 
Well, I notice you got. Yeah, they are a little long. Uh, uh, I don't even know if you can wear that T-shirt you got on or that sweatshirt you got on and wear these at the same time, do you? I don't believe you're supposed to. It's in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> but I just, I just, uh, well, I'll tell you who thought of doing this. Miss <laughs> Millie. Miss Millie thought, she said, you need to pres present that to James at church. And I was supposed to do it this morning. But I just, as they say, I plumb forgot it. Uh, but uh, just wanted to pick on you a little bit there. If you've got the book on the, on the table of contents, it is um, Roman numeral three, page three in your book, right at the very beginning, of course, it's table of contents, of course. In the book, um, and you need, I would read all this if I were you in your, in your private time. And I don't know what you do for your devotion. If you don't have a devotional, this is a good book to use as a devotional. Just read a couple of pages every day as a devotional. But he, he of course, dedicates his book and uh, talks about who he dedicates it to and, and uh, the acknowledgments to people who helped him. And then the foreword in the book, I believe uh, the foreword is written by... Um, uh, Dr. James Leggett. Do y'all remember Dr. Leggett when he was uh, the head of our denomination? I believe it was written by him. And then the prologue, yeah, I'm going to read some out of the prologue tonight just to talk about uh, what he's going to talk about. So tonight, what I'm going to talk about is what we're going to talk about through this, through this uh, uh, study. If you'll look there in chapter one, um, and these are the foundation doctrines. I mean, if we don't get these things right, then we won't get anything beyond this right. So number one, scripture. Scripture. And uh, he, he's gonna talk about the eternal word, the revelation of the scripture, the inspiration, the illumination, the inerrancy, and infallibility. That's a word you hear me say a lot. The Bible is inerrant. It doesn't have any errors in it. And I know people claim that it does and people claim that the Bible has, um, um, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Where it, where it I'm sorry? Uh, yes, yes. And, and it, it has in it uh, uh, inconsistencies. And it's, uh, people will tell you that the Bible says one thing in one place and then turns around and says the opposite in another place. And, and that's not true. It's not true. When a person says that, they don't understand what they're reading. They're taking it out of context. Uh, the Bible is inerrant. There's no errors in the Bible. Um, uh, infallible means it is the word of God. I don't know if you all know this. Probably most of you do. But the Catholic Church believes that whatever the Pope says is infallible. And I won't tell you that isn't true either. And the only infallible word is the word of God, God's word. And my, I'm fallible. I, I make mistakes. I, I say things that uh, aren't true, aren't right. I hope I don't intentionally do that. But as a human being, uh, I may exaggerate something or, or underemphasize something. Or I may tell you that I understand something to mean this when it really doesn't mean that. 
So that's why I always tell you that when I'm preaching and I'm teaching, don't you ever just take it because Farrell said it. You check me out. You check me out. If you hear me say something, you hear me preach something and it don't sound right, you do your work. You go do your work. You go do your research. And then if you find something, just come to me and, and say, Pastor Farrell, I, I heard you say so-and-so, and I wanted to tell you that I found this, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. And uh, I can take correction. And, and I, the thing I want to say to you is check me out on everything I say. And I'll tell you this too, any preacher that won't say that to you, you better check him out <laughs> or you better check her out. Uh, I am fallible. I am fallible. I do make mistakes. I probably wouldn't emphasize that as strong as I am if Millie wasn't here, but uh, she is a witness against me. So scripture, and then, he, and then the, who the Son of God is, who Jesus is, that's the next section in the book that we'll talk about. Uh, beginning around page 53. And then he will talk about uh, salvation. And we talked a lot about that this morning. We're probably not going to spend a lot of time talking about that because probably we talk more about that and the need of a person to get saved than we do any other thing that we teach or any other thing that we preach on. And I, I think that's as it should be. Uh, uh, you can't get sanctified till you get saved. You can't be baptized in the Holy Spirit until you get saved. Uh, you, you can't even operate in your gift in the local church till you get saved. So salvation is the door. It is the door where we walk in to fellowship with God. And beyond that, there's more. There's more, but nothing more important than a person's salvation. So that's what we talk about most. And because it's what we talk about most and it's explained so much, and, and really every one of our songs almost are about salvation and the need to get saved, so we probably won't spend as much time there as we do on the next topic that's on page 137, and that's sanctification. And that's a deeper, that's a deeper, richer relationship with the Lord. And we'll talk more about that. As a matter of fact, I'll mention that a little bit more uh, tonight. And then he talks beginning on uh, page 169. He talks about the uh, uh, spirit baptism as an empowering word, uh, sanctification an essential word. And then he talks about uh, number six, suffering. Talks about suffering, an encouraging word. He talks there about healing, and uh, he talks about the origin and source of suffering, reasons, remedy, summation of suffering, four portraits of suffering, uh, divine healing in the atonement, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is divine healing. And then he concludes the book by talking about the second coming of Jesus, uh, an expectant word, something that hasn't happened yet but is of great expectation in our heart, and that is the coming of the Lord. Can I just say something that you all know? We just need to say it a whole lot more in the church, but I just want to say it tonight. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming. He's coming. And uh, this time it won't be a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger, but uh, this time when he comes first, he won't actually come to the earth, but he'll come in the clouds, and he'll stop right there, and call us, summons us to come and we will be called away in the rapture and we will go to be with the Lord for seven years in heaven while tribulation takes place 
down here on the earth and then after the seven years is over, we will then come back with him at the second coming. The rapture and the second coming are not the same thing, okay? So, so a lot of people are confused about that and a lot of people, when they talk about the second coming and when they talk about the rapture, they talk about them as being the same thing. They're not the same thing. And as a matter of fact, there are scriptures in the Bible that sound like it's talking about the rapture, but it's not. It's talking about the second coming. And, and as I'm your pastor for a longer period of time, we'll touch on those things and, and we'll get to those scriptures. And probably some of them you'll say, I always thought that was about the rapture, but you'll discover that it's about the second coming. Really, probably the most... Um, uh, evident thing uh, about the rapture of the church is mentioned to the church at Thessalonica when he talks about uh, there will be a, a trumpet sound and, and uh, we will be called up. That's what the word rapture means, called up to meet the Lord in the air. And I didn't mean to get into that so much. But uh, let's talk a little bit, very briefly, and then we'll get into it deeper as we go through this, about sanctification. Because I want you to understand that your pastor wants you to have this. I want you to experience this. I want you to understand that the Pentecostal Holiness Church uh, teaches sanctification as a second definite work of grace. Uh, there, there, is some, there is some debate about that, uh, even in the Pentecostal Holiness Church among some of our greatest teachers and leaders. And that's fine, that's okay. It's all right to have discussion and, and say, uh, well, I think the scripture means this or I think it means that. Here's what, here's what I want you to know about sanctification. Sanctification is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life over your sin nature your nature to do wrong. You know that the Bible says, Hosea says, we're bent toward evil. I talked about it a little bit this morning. We're bent, we're not born saved, we're not born straight and then we get bent, we're born bent, amen? And uh, I know I'm standing up here just telling y'all how terrible you are and it's hard to say amen to that, but we're born with a nature not to do good. Our nature is not to do good. Our nature is to do what appeals to our flesh. Now, I think if you'll think about it, as I think about it, every time, I'm trying to think of exceptions, every time I, I appeal or I give in to the appeal of my flesh, I get in trouble. Every single time that my flesh says, you're first, you're number one, Pharaoh. You're number one, don't worry about other people. You, you satisfy yourself, you make yourself happy. Every time I give in to that, I make trouble for myself. I make problems for myself. I end up having to apologize. I end up uh, uh, getting in trouble. I can even get in trouble financially. You can, get in you can get in trouble in a lot of ways when you give in to your, to your base desires of your flesh to satisfy yourself and put yourself first. Now, the thing is, we're all that way. Every one of us, 
what I'm here to tell you is that sanctification is what gives you power to look at that and say no to that. And sometimes you'll win that battle and sometimes you won't win that battle. What did Paul say? Paul said, of all men, I am the chief sinner. I'm the worst. What, what is that little saying he said that we all remember? The good that I want to do, what did he say? I don't do. Now, and then he turned around and said, and the bad that I don't want to do, he said, I do it. Now, y'all listen. Listen to it. If Paul had trouble, we're going to have trouble. I don't know about y'all, but I didn't write any of the books of the Bible. Did you? Paul wrote about half of the New Testament, if not more of it. And Paul struggled with his flesh. He struggled with his carnal nature. The good that I would, I don't do, and the bad that I don't want to do, I do. He called himself the chief sinner. I want you to understand, there's a humility that we all need to possess. There's a humility that we all need to have, and that humility is that I'm subject to fall. I'm subject to sin. I'm subject to failure. Now, I've got a little saying I say, and you've probably heard it before. I didn't think of it. I'm, I'm not the first one to say it. But sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll leave you longer than you want to stay, and it'll always cost you more than you want to pay. And so Satan knows about our nature, and he plagues on it, and he strategizes against it. It's what he did with Jesus. He assumed Jesus had that. And so he came and offered him bread and offered him power and prestige, which was really ridiculous. It wasn't even the devil's to offer. But he tried to tempt Jesus in the same way he would tempt us. Let me just read what it says about sanctification here. Sanctification includes a definite, instantaneous work of grace. So I want to say to the young people, I want to say to all of you, that when we have altar, <coughs> when we have altar time, when we have altar time, you ought to come and seek sanctification. You ought to come and seek it and say, Lord, um, you might say, this is what I'd say, I don't fully understand all of it. I don't grasp all the big theological words that Mr. Trammell, Dr. Trammell knows. But the way Pastor Farrell explained it on that third grade level, somebody said, somebody said, man, Pastor, you got to put it on a third grade level. I said, I have to. That's my level. <laughs> but, Pastor, but I understand what Pastor Farrell was saying. And then you say to God, I want that in my life. I want to be sanctified. I want sanctification. I'll tell you the truth. You ought to ask God for it every day. Now, where the debate is, is that it's an instantaneous work of grace that you come to the altar and in an experience you get sanctified. I'm fine with that. I don't have any problem with that. I'm not going to argue with anybody about that, but I'll tell you this. From salvation to the day you die, Sanctification is a progressive work in your life. It's a progressive work in your life. Now, here's why I say that. 
because I'm not tempted to do things now that I was tempted to do earlier in my Christian life. That shows the progress I've made in my life. There are temptations I used to have I don't have anymore. But temptations are always going to be there. Now, this isn't in the Bible, but I really like it because it's so true. New levels in God, if I grow and I become more mature, new levels, new devils. New levels, new devils. So new levels in the Lord, spiritual, spiritual growth, then there are going to be temptations at that level you didn't even have down here. So in your life on this earth, I want you to understand you'll never escape temptation and you will never escape the battle with your carnality. You will battle your carnality to the day you leave this world. And so that's why we need to say, Father, sanctify me. Sanctify me. And we'll get deeper into what sanctification means. But let me finish reading this little part he has here about this. He says, sanctification, the complete cleansing of the justified. In other words, you've already been saved. The complete cleansing of the justified believer from all indwelling sin. Holiness is the word. Holiness Pentecostals must be able to articulate the biblical basis from an experience of sanctification as well as what uh, does and does not happen as a result of this action. Uh, Pentecostals must avoid overstatements at all costs. Let me give you an overstatement about, about sanctification. I've heard this testimony in the church as a boy. Somebody have testimony service. You remember we used to have testimony services? We'll do that again. Amen? Amen. Somebody always gets called to preach, though, and they start preaching. But anyway, uh, I, I liked it when it said, who's got a testimony? A person stand up for 30 seconds or a minute. They would just talk about the goodness of the Lord. But I've heard some people say, I want to thank the Lord for saving me from my sin and I want to thank the Lord for sanctifying me and taking the want to out of my life. Well, I, when I heard that as a little boy, I was like, boy, I need that one because I ain't, I ain't got rid of the want to yet. <laughs> and here I stand 66 years old and I still have the want to. And here's what I mean. Sanctification does not eliminate that old nature, that old sin nature, but it, 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 it lessens the, that power in your life. It, it, it weakens that sin nature in your life. Sanctification does. So we need to all pray for it. We need to all pray for sanctification. Um, I was thinking of something I wanted to say and I, it just slipped my mind. Um, but sanctification is a progressive work. Oh, here's what I was going to say. Paul, called, Paul called, called, Paul called our sin nature the old man. You remember that in the Bible? The old man. And Paul says that sanctification, and I'm, I'm saying this in a paraphrase, you won't find these very words in the Bible, but sanctification cripples the old man, but it doesn't kill the old man. The old nature will be with you until you are raptured or until God calls you home in death. Amen? Amen? So, um, don't even come up around here telling us how you, you don't 
you don't have the want to no more. We all have the want to uh, till the day we die. We battle that nature till the day we die. Sanctification. Um, and then Holy Spirit baptism. Uh, he says, uh, Holy Spirit baptism, the initial evidence of the reception of this experience is speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. Pentecostals often make the claim that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is with the accompanying speaking in tongues is the source of all power for Christian service. And then he says, this remains problematic. Listen now. In light of the reality that millions of past, present, and future believers have won souls and excelled in ministry having never spoken in tongues. And I'll tell you what he's talking about in just a minute if, you, if that, if that kind of uh, just went right by you. Therefore, Pentecostals must better articulate their uh, pneumatology. We're gonna help y'all articulate your pneumatology better. Y'all excited about that? Um, concerning the glossolalia. And the word glossolalia is the Greek word for speaking in tongues. So, so what he's saying right there, and I'm not gonna get into it tonight, we very easily could get into it tonight, but we're not going to. Um, Millie, if I try to run this rabbit, you call me back to where I need to be. But um, there are great men of God who have never spoken in tongues that have brought many, many people to Jesus, amen? I, I've never heard Billy Graham's ever spoken in tongues. I've never heard Billy Graham ever talk about speaking in tongues or preach the doctrine of speaking in tongues. You know, we say that the evidence that you're filled with the Holy Ghost is that you spoke in tongues. I just know, and that's what he's saying here in this book, I just know that Billy Graham's got the Holy Spirit on him. He's got the Holy Spirit on him. Now, he's, he's not doing that ministry anymore, of course, but, but he has the Holy Spirit on him. D. James Kennedy, you all remember D. James Kennedy? D. James Kennedy, famous uh, Presbyterian pastor, Bible believer, rock-solid Bible believer down in Florida, led many, many. As a matter of fact, he developed a soul-winning course. What was that? Do you remember the name of that course? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, was, it had the word evangelism in it, but, but I don't believe he ever spoke in tongues or, or he talked about speaking in tongues, yet he led many, many, many hundreds of people to the Lord Jesus. So what Terry is saying here, and Terry's a Pentecostal to the bone now, he's saying that we as Pentecostals has to, have to be careful uh, that we give the idea that because we've spoke in tongues, we're more spiritual, and because they haven't spoken in tongues, they're less spiritual. Um, I don't know whether y'all know anybody like this or not, but I've, I know some tongue talkers who gossip. Can I say that out loud? And if I heard a grunt, I would have known who it was if I just heard somebody say, mm. And uh, so, so the, the point of, the, and so we'll get into that. We'll explain that. We'll, we'll help you get a grasp of, of that, the difference there, because um, we have to be very careful. And that's what he's saying right here. Don't overstate. Don't overstate. I, I know people that got saved 
in a revival and two or three nights later, and sometimes I've even heard in the same night, just went on in their seeking of God and spoke in tongues that night. Well, that person isn't spiritually mature. Just because you speak in tongues don't mean you're spiritually mature. Spiritual maturity takes time. It takes time. But it is, it is a work of God in that person's life that certainly will excel their understanding of Scripture and give them a deeper desire for the things of God, uh, to learn the things of God, and to become a deep disciple. But I don't want you to ever feel like that there are any shortcuts to spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is hard work. Amen? Spiritual maturity, you got to put your nose to the grindstone. You got to, you got to turn the TV off and turn the entertainment off and you got to get your Bible and you got to get with God and it's, and it's, it's a grind. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but you got to do those things when you feel spiritual and when you don't feel spiritual. That's what's going to lead to spiritual maturity in you. And spiritual maturity is seen in Holy Spirit control. People are controlled by the Holy Spirit, not their flesh. Spirit baptism. And then he'll talk about suffering. And let me just close with these two real quick and we'll be done. Uh, it says, he says, in divine healing as in the atonement, if the predominant teaching is valid in the way usually expressed, then healing should, should always be as easy to obtain as forgiveness of sins. Since this most often is not the case, let me ask you something. If five people came up here to get saved this morning and they wanted to get saved, would they have got saved? Yeah. You come up here to the altar and you say, I want to get saved, you're going to get saved before you leave if you're sincere. But you can come up here and say, I'm sick and we'll pray for you and that's left in God's hands whether that happens or not. Now both of those things are provided for in the atonement. In the, in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the shedding of the blood of Jesus. But we have to understand that, that receiving salvation and receiving phys physical healing, the result is not the same just because a person asks. If a person asks to be saved, what did he say in John three sixteen? Whosoever, whosoever believeth will be saved. But we do know that's not always the case with healing. That's the point he's making here. He said, the conundrum cries out for balance. It cries out for balance. That's what the title of his book is. Thankfully, the Bible answers with both present grace and future assurance. So we'll talk about that. And then finally, second coming of the Lord. Uh, it's imminent. Uh, the second coming of the Lord is imminent. That word imminent, you all probably already know this. I don't want you to think that I assume you don't know what things mean. But I always didn't like teachers who assumed I knew things I didn't know. So uh, uh, the word imminent, of course, means it can happen at any moment. The rapture could happen right now. There might be some great theologian sitting here listening to me right now who would say, no, it can't happen until this happens and that happens and that happens. Well, my response to that is, how do you know it didn't happen 10 minutes ago? I believe the Lord could come at any moment. I believe the rapture could happen at any time. I don't think there's another thing to be fulfilled. I think the Lord could come at any time. It's imminent. It's personal. He's coming. He's not going to send somebody to get us. He's coming. It's premillennial. Second coming is before the thousand-year millennial reign. 
And we'll talk about all that. Pentecostals cannot retreat from the expectancy of their Lord's return. However, they must not proclaim it only as a realized goal for themselves, but rather as the impetus to complete Christ's mission. Who preached on that this morning? To complete Christ's mission of redemption for this world. Isn't that something? You know what I preached on this morning? Is God's plan for, the, for this world and we get to be in on it. He's included us in the completing of his mission. The Lord is completing his mission in this world right now and he has called on us to help, to be, to be a part of it. Now he don't need us, but he loves us so much, he wants us to be a part of that. Isn't that something? I don't know about you, but that just blows my mind. Let me close with this. He says, now readers are ready to commit own, um, uh, now readers are ready to commence on this quest through these seven pillars of Pentecostalism. That's what he calls those seven things I just talked about. My prayer is that Pentecostals who have left their evangelical moorings, in other words, you're, you're so Pentecostal you don't even think about the lost anymore, which is really an a oxymoron. That, that can't even happen. If you're really, really Pentecostal, you're really, really going to see people get saved. Jesus said, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Ghost that you might tell the world about me. What's the, what's the reason for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? to empower you to tell the world about Jesus so they'll get saved. <clears throat> My prayer is that Pentecostals who have left their evangelical moorings will come back to the shore of biblical stability. Amen, amen. Likewise, I cling to the hope that non-Pentecostal evangelicals like our brothers and sisters in the churches around us, he says, I pray that they will uh, not be abhorred or alarmed by our movement, but rather come to see the attractiveness of it in the beauty of the balance. Amen. Amen. So that gives you a little bit of a flavor for what we're going to be doing. But um, probably what I'm going to do is have a handout for you. Uh, and then that way you can just follow along with me, maybe fill in the blanks, take some little notes and put them on the side. And hopefully when we're done with this, you'll have a notebook full of, full of things that you can refer back to. Um, I would highly recommend the book. If you're in a situation where you can't afford the book, we'll get you the book. You can get the book. We're not going to keep anybody from getting the book. You want the book, you let me know. And uh, you can pay uh, $1 payments per month for 15 months. No interest. How about that? Think you can handle that? Well, I want you to have that book. I want you to have it. And, uh, and then I want to help you fill up your notebook with good notes. Amen. We're, 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 we are a unique people as Pentecostals. We're unique people. We believe in a personal, deep, personal relationship with God where we commune with him and he communes with us and and as I would weep um, uh, emotionally because of my love for my wife or, or, or some good or even some hurtful thing that would happen in our family, which we've had both and y'all have too in your families, that I, I have that deep kind of feeling with my Lord. I rejoice with him. He rejoices with me. I weep with him. He weeps with me. I love that part about who we are. That we don't just 
serve a God way up yonder in the heavens, sitting high and lifted up on a throne, which he is, but we serve a God who in the middle of the night, when you whisper his name, he'll come where you are. He'll come where you are. He'll enter your house. He'll lay his hands on your children. He'll, he'll, he'll cool a fever. He'll give wisdom when you don't know what to do. That's who we serve. That's how we view God. I like how we view God, don't you? He's, he's, a, he's a real personal God that wants not to just lord over me, but love me and have a relationship with me. Amen. Amen. Let's come to the altar, would you? And let's pray and let's ask the Lord to illuminate our minds and uh, make, us, make us able to learn and able to hear. And uh, I, I want to tell y'all, I was, and it, this will come as a tremendous shock to you all when I tell you this, but I was not the smartest student in the room. <laughs> I want y'all to, I know you'd laugh that loud, but anyway. Um, I, was a, I was an average student. I was an average student in school, and uh, I made average grades. I told somebody I, I, um, I graduated from, I, I got out of my algebra, first algebra class by the skin of my teeth. 70 was the lowest you could make and I made 70 in algebra, but I did it, glory to God. But I, here's what I found out. When I got in Bible college and I was called to preach, I applied myself. I applied myself. I found out that if I'd applied myself when I was in the other school, uh, growing up, that I could have got a lot more out of it and made a lot better grades. And I'm going to tell you young people, that's what's wrong with half of y'all, is you don't apply yourself. And I'm going to tell you this too, you talk too much. <laughs> now the reason I say that is because every time, that's what my teacher wrote on my report card, Farrell Hardison talks too much. I tried to explain to her I was going to be a preacher. <laughs> my point in saying that little story is that God can illuminate your mind. Listen, one of the spiritual Pentecostal things that can happen to you in this study is he will make you to understand things. He will help you understand things. He will help you grasp things and he will help you uh, sit in a class like this and a light will go off in your head and you'll have an understanding of something you'd always heard all your life, but you never really did really grasp it, but you'll grasp it. You'll get it. And I'll tell you, when that happens, that's a spiritual thing. That's a God thing. And pray for that. Pray for that. When you come in here on Sunday nights, and I'll get to preaching, you know, I'll get, I'll get preaching and teaching. I'll preach through this thing, you know, preach and teach. But let's get something out of this. Let's squeeze the juice and get all the juice we can out of this. And when we talk about God and the power of God and being a Pentecostal out there in the world, that we'll speak it with uh, confidence. And we'll speak it in a way they understand what we're saying. And we'll, listen, this is most important, that we'll talk about it in a way that they'll say, I want that. I want that. What did they say on the day of Pentecost? They said, what must we do? First they said, what is this? What, is, what meaneth this? And then it was explained to them, and then they said, well, what must we do? In other words, we want that. And that's what we want for people. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for this new study that we are endeavoring uh, to uh, accomplish here at our church on Sunday nights. 
God, help me, help me, help me as the teacher to know how to say it, to know how to present it, to know how to articulate it and uh, put it out there so that it can be easily consumed and that the people can uh, grow from it in their daily lives. We want you, Lord, to be glorified as I pray every time I pray. We want you to be lifted up. We want you to be honored in this. And God, we just dedicate these studies to you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here. And I just look forward to these classes. I know we got a lot of other things coming up on Sunday night, and, and there'll be some, uh, we got a fifth Sunday coming up and all that. But don't worry, every time all that happens and we have little interruptions, we'll get right back into it the next Sunday night. Okay? All right. And if you have questions about it, uh, if I teach something and you say, I, I really don't grasp that, then you just get hold of me and I'll probably say to you, I don't either, but uh, we'll learn together. Amen. Amen. Thank y'all so much. God bless you. You're dismissed. Give somebody a holiness hug. This is the Pine Level Pentecostal Church Incorporated, copyright 2023.